0: I'm like, oh, no, I get pizza because I have that $20. Oh, I can have a new book because I have that $20. You're like, but you're not spending the $20. You're spending different $20.
1: Many ideas of the $20. What timeline are we in, actually?
0: <laughs> the Chris is a dummy timeline.
1: <laughs> that timeline doesn't exist.
0: Ah, uh, disagree.
1: <laughs> False.
0: False. Put it to the listener. I publish it. <laughs> in tax, eh?
1: Let's talk about tax, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Wait, no, that just goes further downhill from there. <laughs> we want Sandy singing. This is actually my, it's actually the more appropriate song is it's the most wonderful <laughs> of the
0: year. <laughs> you actually feel that way a little bit about tax season, don't you?
1: I actually really, really do. January yeah. 1st is so thrilling to close the books on the old year and know what the numbers were and know already like, okay, I, I can file this. It's I
0: awesome. love that your tax season to you is January. <laughs> that is not something that people relate to. I was just, uh, we've been making fun of a, a friend of mine's been staying here for a while and he's had a running joke that he's traveled with his tax documents for the entire year. Like he finally finished them, I think in late September or October, he was finishing them uh, on a, when we were on contract together but like that's closer to normal i think than <laughs> what you're describing
1: <laughs> i mean i was talking to oscar today about rounding and somewhere i mean there's got to be something in the middle i'm i think i round down I, i'm pretty sure your friend rounds way up
0: <laughs> yeah well it's just like you can get he's a he's american and so you can get the extension that pushes things back quite a bit and then once you have the extension then why do you need to finish it until the night before the extension right is Man. that not a thing
1: no, I mean, I can't. It has nothing. It's very obviously not anything to do with a virtue. Like, oh, I'm so good. I found my taxes early. I'm wonderful. It's because I like doing it. I mean, who else likes doing it? Nobody. I don't know. I, how
2: do you, where are you on the tax spectrum, John? I mean, I kind of like doing it. It's an interesting puzzle and challenge and thing to figure out. I'm like, why did they do it this way? And, and how did this come about? And yeah, it's interesting to think about that and do it. Uh, But in my case, like I never get my tax slips until the first week of April. So I kind of have to do it in one of like the three remaining weeks of April.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how it ends up being for me. Normally like there's enough T4As that come in later that it's a good excuse to not have to deal with it or not to deal with it. Although like my favorite part about tax season isn't, isn't the like interesting tax law side of things, but it's this weird nostalgic walk down memory lane thing. Like you're going through receipts and you're like, Oh, I remember that dinner. Oh, right. And then we went. Oh, that was nice. Like it's it's actually kind of really nice. It's just it's if you can read the receipt still, it's really it's really a lovely memory lane.
1: Do you know actually the thing that is exciting this year, but is going to rapidly become boring, is that this is the very first year that I have just had employee income. That all that's all I have. All I have is a T four. Oh. No. For this coming for 2018 tax year,
2: and yeah, that's it's gonna be I mean, boring for
1: that's you, super boring, oh. but also no, super boring. Like January 1st, it'll see, but you've seen that. I think, I think anybody that knows me has seen that now I kind of all of my complicated stuff has moved into my calendar. Like, okay, how can I optimize so that on Wednesdays I do this blah 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 blah, blah. and then I just spend January 1st mapping out my time instead of looking back on my money, but. That's a, that's a totally side issue. But yeah, it's going to be weird. Like, here's my slip. I'm done.
0: There's always complication to find. Like, you can always find new data to dig into. <laughs> you just let that... Or like
1: the fact that Seth is a U.S. citizen.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you'll always have a certain amount of cluster, you know.
1: <laughs> that. A cluster IRS. That's, <laughs> that's the one we're looking for.
0: Yeah, it's I. I picked up because Mimi is a dual citizen too, and her and she works in the states quite a bit. So she files in like six different states last year, at least six different states, and then federal. And her accountant sent her a book that is a, almost two inches thick. That's just all of her. Like it's just her tax book from last year. I was looking for like some papers in her file just today, and I was like, "What is this tax book?" And it's just that's what they send her. And you're like. That is complicated.
1: Next. I actually, that was a conversation I had today with somebody. I had kind of, this is such a silly thing to assume, but I kind of had had assumed at this point that everybody who had American citizenship would have heard at some point that they had to do something. And this is my very first time. And I would say probably about four or five years talking to somebody who has citizenship Mm -hmm. and breaking the news to them. That they have some extra work to do oh i don't think there's going to be gosh. a tax book involved but it might be no. a, like a novella a tax novella <laughs> a
0: tax novella oh brother that's rough did they take it well
1: well i tried to be really gentle about it but i don't know how you can be gentle while also trying to convey that like the gray men of the irs are coming for you <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: It's, the fact that they haven't come yet is an aberration like
1: two by two hands of blue here they come
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh points if anybody tweets us that that reference source
2: oh um, we we have lots of serenity fans there's, a, there's yeah. a big overlap in that venn diagram
0: actually <laughs> That's that there is a big overlap yeah <laughs> uh,
1: that was i mean i remember it being an enormous surprise for us because i would i used to file for seth this is like i stopped in 2009 for a while oh we don't need to do this this is dumb yeah this is before i kind of had you know had my come to jesus moments and um and then they but but at the time when i realized that they had the uh, um offshore voluntary disclosure program which ended a month ago <laughs> so i couldn't <laughs> even give her that comfort <laughs> it was like oh i don't really know what to do now
0: But isn't that, that's kind of the story of taxes for, for, for lots of people. I have to do that. Wait, I have to do that because why would people necessarily know? Like, why do you necessarily know that at some point you need to file quarterly? Why at some point do people know that they need to have an HSD number? Like, if you're already not talking about finance, why is it implied that you're supposed to know until you get angry letters that it's too late. Oh, you were supposed to do this and now there are fees and now there are consequences. And you're like, what?
1: And I had to count it for a minute. The most annoying six words. So the four letter word that I hate is just and the six letter phrase that I hate is the onus is on the taxpayer. (laughs) That's actually something, one of the things, just after I realized that John wasn't Matthew Inman and did not write the Oatmeal comics, I found out that we shared a a real problem with the onus is on the taxpayer. I I remember having like a cross-stitch thing anyways a long time ago but it's but this whole idea that essentially when you go back to the government and say I had no idea that I had to do this well the onus is on the taxpayer to have figured out that they don't know something. Gee, I wonder if there's something I don't know today. I should probably go find it. Check the tax code.
0: And the answer is yes. When it comes to the tax code, there is, the answer is a resounding yes. There 100% are there's something you don't know. That you don't know. And probably several that apply to your life that you are doing slightly wrong, incorrectly. Like, I will admit every time I file a tax, uh, a, a tax return, like, there's probably a lie on it. Not on purpose. I am well meaning. I am trying it's to do it
1: properly. A mission. <laughs> <a lot. laughs>
0: or or an extra. What what does it mean when I there's like an error of too much mission? Like too many things. <laughs> like it, it there's just there's just a lot of balls to be to kind of juggling. And and unless it, you just have to deal with employment income and it's fairly straightforward. But even then there's just lots of there's lots of elements. And so yeah, that onus on the taxpayer is a very silly thing
1: especially john we were talking about this not that long ago like they we're at a point now where if you forget something revenue canada already has it filed somewhere oh excuse me the canada revenue agency already has it filed somewhere and they tell you that you missed it
2: yeah a lot of stuff like they've got copies of all your t4s and t5s and t3s and a lot of times now they're even going to have a good handle on what your like realized gains and losses are if you're investing and other things likely too that
1: i was it wasn't you i was having that conversation with actually you saying that made me remember it was with john stapleton who hopefully we're going to have on the show at some point in the future he said there's 43 questions that a that a volunteer tax clinic person has to ask to fill out the form for you know just kind of a basic tax return and the government knows 40 of those 43 answers yeah but it already
2: and autofill my return is now a thing which is an awesome little service yes. but then that also makes it even harder for you to be like well what did autofill miss because yeah. now I, I'm not going through my big stack of paper that I got in the mail or that I printed off from um, you know my various online accounts to go through and be like yes this is in yes this is in and it's like it's almost as much work to just put it in myself as it is to try to use autofill and then find the things that i missed.
1: The super fun game. But, but, I'm
2: like, but autofill is an awesome new yeah. thing. And I'm glad that they're at least doing some kind of innovation along those lines for a lot of people.
1: I remember a couple of years back, the biggest innovation was that you'd be able to pay your remember plastique. Maybe it's still around. You could pay your for as long as you paid th- a 3% fee, you could yeah. pay your tax bill with your credit card. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, That was the innovation at the time. Thanks, Fintech. It was
2: not that long ago that you could get your return by direct deposit instead of receiving a check.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, checks. Oh, those yellow checks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Olden days.
2: Yeah, like 2010 or something. It wasn't that long ago that that came out. Well, as we know, the CRA is always sprinting ahead. (laughs)
0: Really on that forward edge.
2: To be fair, Netfile has been around for a long time.
1: I guess that's fair. Yeah. I'm loath
0: <laughs> to give them credit. Why is that?
1: <laughs> so loath. So loath to give them credit. I I actually don't know. yeah, no. I'm loathe to give them credit because of all those reports where when you call up the CRA, in fact, like 3 out of 10 times you'll get the correct answer.
0: Yeah. And it's <laughs> and it's worse for the self-employed questions, which is always the like as soon as you start dabbling in anything like that's the stat for any question but like when you start dabbling in those gray areas whether it's really it's difficult to come up with an answer but people will give you an answer whether it's correct or not they won't even hesitate it's It's, it's not about well that's actually a gray area and here's how to think about it it's (laughs) nope you can do that or nope you can't
2: and then they just well i don't know a lot of times i have not gotten answers and i'm like do i report this on the income account or the capital account and i'm like maybe (laughs)
0: yeah that's if you you need to get a couple of levels up so you like you get stopped at the front level (laughs) and then if they get you you can get up to a level where they'll start to give them you like they'll give you an answer and then you live with that for a couple of years of your life until a new piece of information or you're reading on the cra website as you do and you're like wait that's not the truth that was never the truth what is happening right now it just it's it doesn't add to the, the whole ecosystem of tax truth or just trying to f- make it feel like it's manageable.
1: Mm. And even, I mean, like, as, a, as somebody with only T4 income this year, <laughs> I still, yes, it's something I really enjoy, but when I think about people who, this is their very first foray into income tax. <laughs> even T4 income, can be. I know what I'm trying to say, and it's this: there is because the tax system seems complex from the outside, because it's complex from the inside. It seems so complex to people who, again, it, it's, they're not interested in it. They've never really done anything to do it, so they, so they, they have this sneaking suspicion that if they do the right, like press the right buttons or claim the right thing their tax liability just goes away or decreases like to a material degree instead of, Oh, well you claimed that credit. And so now you pay $50 less. Lucky you. Right. So, so there's this idea that it's so complex that there's certainly something that you could do to make it work way more in your favor. And I'm such a chump for paying the amount that I'm paying and everybody else has it figured out. Mm, It is not the case.
2: Well, isn't that the whole, and I hear that from lots of people that, you know, they have very basic, like, T for income. And that's about it. And they're like, well, I'm going to go to my accountant and I'm going to pay a couple hundred bucks, but they're going to help me like save that much more on taxes. I'm like, you don't have any tax saving opportunities. <laughs> like you have a very straightforward tax situation. <laughs> but
0: it's, it's not better for self-employed people that have more tools because they'll sign into something like TurboTax and they see that like that like gauge on the side just how much they need to pay. And it goes down as you put in more deductions and they'll just go back and they'll keep putting in more deductions and be like, Oh, I need to get it down to zero. Like it's, that's the game. And you're like, well, that's not what we're doing here right now. (laughs) It's, it's really, I don't know. Taxes are such an interesting thing because it's, it's often, with lots of the people that I talk to, it's the one time that they're forced to kind of look at their finances And they're kind of forced to come face to face with it. Mm -hmm. Some of them are ignoring it completely. But then there's that swath of people that are like, I know I need to do this. Everybody's saying the word taxes. I need to do something. I've gotten these T4As and now I need to file my taxes. There's this (laughs) action that I need to do, which is something. (laughs) And then they just kind of bumble into it. And of course you're going to make mistakes. How could you not make mistakes?
1: I, I don't know. I think, I mean, I've been using online software. I use ter, I've been using TurboTax for years yeah. now. And I, unless there are, I think there are some questions where legit, yeah, you can definitely, you can make mistakes. But if you really don't have a very complex situation, the guardrails yeah. are pretty strong now. Like the bumpers no. are down. Yeah. On the bowling alley, and you really have to pitch that ball to get into the other lane before <laughs> it's yeah, a problem.
0: I, I'm talking more with the kind of like sole proprietor, self-employed, kind of different, multiple kind of income sources, and oh yeah, just, I mean, and, and, and I'm talking about it. that side of the arena now, which is not the norm. And and you're right.
1: Um, oh, so not the side I'm on anymore. I see. I see. I see what's going on. I'll
0: you back put here. yourself on the other <laughs> side because of your
1: success.
0: Okay, so don't even <laughs> so.
1: So here's the question that I wanted to when we were thinking about this episode. Well, when we were thinking about it, we said income tax, and that was the topic. But I did want to know something that surprised you. Something that you doesn't have to be like a terrible, horrible story necessarily, but maybe it could be. But what was like when you first kind of started dipping your toe into the income tax waiting pool? What surprised you? Either one of you
0: well you guys know if I could talk to you about like because my whole journey in personal finance started with screwing up my taxes um, do you guys know the story at all it's like I everything surprised me every single thing I've been surprised almost at every turn with taxes um, and still have a of a fair amount of fear comes tax season even though I'm much better prepared it it really was because I I was ignoring my finances completely Completely as much as any human can for the longest time, and then when I started to make money, which I assumed would solve all my money problems, which it didn't. Um, I remember like I hadn't filed my taxes for years because I, for a while, my like dad took care of it, and then I moved away and didn't realize that it was a thing that I had to do as an adult. And I wasn't making any money, so I thought it just didn't it didn't come up. So when I started to make income, I was like, oh, I have to do my taxes. So I logged into TurboTax and. Um, went i made i made mistakes which is fine that is not the end of the world to make some mistakes but the cra came back to me and they were like hey you made some mistakes can you clarify a few points and that was terrifying to me and so i just ignored that letter and then the next letter and the letter after that and then they called and i was like yeah i will definitely call you back and then i just stopped answering the phone for that. And that was the thing that actually pushed me over to kind of starting to face my finances and like to sit down and figure out how to budget. And, and like that entire process started with me screwing up my taxes. Um, But it, it was just, I didn't understand. I didn't understand how income taxes worked. I didn't understand the concept of what a deduction was because I didn't understand everybody kind of, had talked about when I was growing up, he's sitting in a group of farmers and, and everybody's complaining, Oh, I don't want the crop to be too good. Cause I'll get into a higher income bracket. And, and this like sense that I always had just peripherally was that you could get to a point where making more money didn't make sense. Like that, like, that's how I understood income brackets, kind of peripherally. And so when I actually sat down, it was like, this is how the marginal tax rate system works. This is how a deduction can help you. This is how the government thinks about it in terms of like, you need to spend money to make money. And so you don't have to get taxed on the money that you spend making money. Simplistic way to look at it, but it's, it was just, and then, um, just those basics. And then like, how does CPP fit into that? And the fact that you can't deduct away CPP and how this kind of all connects and how to think about doing it on my own, because it was never really automatic for me. I was never working a job where they took it off automatically. I had to figure it out. Um, I was blindsided by every step of the way. And then a year and a half later, even though I had learned a lot, I was totally blindsided by HSD because I didn't know I was supposed to be collecting it. So I got a call that they were back taxing me for 13 months of HSD Um, and luckily I didn't avoid that one. And, and the companies that I'd been working for paid me retroactive back taxes for HST. And and so I, I could pay it off and it wasn't a disaster, but like at every turn I was kind of hit with like, Oh, and you're supposed to be doing this. Oh, and don't you know, you're also supposed to be doing this and narrowly avoided the same thing happening with quarterly payments. Because at some point they're like, Oh, you're supposed to be paying quarterly now. And you're like, but how was I supposed to? No, and like, I saw it before because I was all of a sudden in a world where more people were talking about their taxes and talking about paying quarterly, and now I was at the point I was like, oh, I should check up. I need to be paying quarterly. But I, I have just a never-ending slew of being blindsided.
1: Here's,
2: so as that, horrible
1: as that sounds, I actually do want to make an observation, though, that there are no other areas of personal finance that are under our own management i think i'm thinking here where you get immediate negative feedback if you do something wrong like within the year nobody else no your investment guide well your investment guy, the markets don't call you and say hey you know what (laughs) you're making a compounding error here and (laughs) 40 years from now it's going to go wrong for you like the fact that the cra wants their money forces people to to hit up those against those guardrails and learn real fast.
0: No, that's so. fair. That is fair. Like, it, it's not always the case. I think that you can make mistakes for a while. And if for some reason, I don't even remember the mistake that I made originally that they were calling about. Um,
1: the, the mistake that you made was actually just not calling them back. That. The mistake I made <laughs> I think it's probably. Was, I'm
0: sure, I'm sure that they were just looking for like a clarification document. I'm sure that they were like probably from my school to be like, Hey, can you just confirm that you went to school? That's probably what it was. But then it was like me ignoring it. And then it changed you to be like, we've reassessed you. And now you owe. Cause I think that it went from like them paying me $800 to me owing like 5,000. It was a really big swing <sighs> thing. And I was like, yeah, it, but a very effective behavior changer that I am grateful for, for all kinds of reasons. But, um, The moral of the story really was for me that it was the avoidance that not the mistakes that was the problem. It was just the fact that I had no capacity to talk about finances or to ask people for help. And I thought that was such a massive failure. Everybody knows how to do this. I screwed it up. I can't, I can't reconcile this. I don't have the tools for this. And so the only tool I had was avoidance. So that was my tax beginning. And and I still am like Sorry. I still have that like nervousness about taxes. I really enjoy other people's taxes, but with my own taxes, this nervousness that I'm missing something and that I'm gonna get blindsided by something and that like there's because it, it's just it's built into my financial childhood. <laughs> my financial
2: infancy.
1: John, what was your big surprise?
2: Uh well, I mean I'm not sure I've ever had like a really big surprise um, that's, that's hit me. I've been kind of lucky that way. Uh, helps when your dad's a CA.
1: <laughs> um, super, super helpful. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, some things have always sort of puzzled me. Like um, I was a student for a very, very, very long time. Time to look at my T2202As from the university, which you know, show your various tuition amounts. And the amount that you get is, tuition amounts is not the same as what you pay every year in tuition. (laughs) And it's because the school charges a bunch of other fees like ancillary fees and, um, you know, uh, campus upgrade fees and all this that quote unquote tuition. So then you don't get credits for those, but then you also get these other credits that you didn't necessarily pay for don't bear any resemblance to what you actually paid for textbook amounts. And it, it was always weird that like, there were these separate lines for like textbook amounts that were tied to, you know, how many years, uh, how many months of school you had, regardless of whether or not you bought books. And um, there were uh, at the time too, I can't remember what the other one was called. It was like textbook amount and something else amount. And they were both a formula of the number of months you were in. I was like, yeah. why are there two lines for this? Why is there one line of like, Instead of $200 and like $75 or whatever it was for each month that you were in school, why isn't it just one number? Because these are very obviously simplifiable. Um, and, and it's just so some of that stuff that I'm like, why isn't this just simplified a little bit more? Um, and it just, I think it has gotten a little bit better over the years. Um, uh, but the thing I was going to jump in and say was uh, you got surprised by having to pay quarterly. I mean, that was also something... Um, fortunately it didn't happen to me because I'm still a small supplier for you just it what happened uh, to Kelly and it's happened to uh, Sandy as I recall and that was one of the first things that we worked on together was sending him this letter to the CRA to be like hey your page says you may have to pay quarterly installments and it didn't really like make it clear that you had to then? You're like, yeah and, and when it says you may have to then you think well they'll tell me if I have to and otherwise I <laughs> probably don't and that's not what they do and so yeah. lots of people get with this surprise you have to pay cordially and so uh, we wrote them some letters and they actually updated the wording on the website
1: oh they, did they look at they you did. guys
0: enacting real change
1: oh. well john that was all john because i didn't even remember what happened i mean i remember the bad part i don't remember the good part
0: you were the victim <laughs> that, that, that started it at all
2: anybody. that's right <laughs>
1: Ground,
2: oh no. Yeah. <clears throat> and there, there's another one that again has not hit me but just due to luck because I read about it somewhere else which is um you know I don't think I've ever seen a prompt come up that's like you have a non-registered account you should be thinking about this uh which is the T1135. So if you have more than $100,000 of cost basis assets uh outside of Canada, so if you have US stocks uh ETFs that trade on the US exchange you have to file this disclosure form outlining what those holdings are in your non-registered accounts. And once you hit that threshold, you got to keep filing this stupid form. And there's pretty big penalties if you don't. And I'm like, but how would you know that you had to start? And
1: Is that relatively recent? Did that come when U.S. Yeah. persons reporting came to financial institutions? However long ago that was, five?
2: Yeah, it's about five years or so. Yeah. Okay. hmm Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's our neighbors to the south Yeah, requiring all of our information.
2: Yeah. So, uh, and that's a, a weird one. I'm like, that, that looks bad. I'm, I don't know if I should hope that I will ever get to the point that I have a hundred thousand dollars in US <laughs> assets or if I should be like, I'll just start buying VUN instead of VTI. once my <laughs> a little bit
0: bigger. And it's, that's on a hundred thousand dollars cost base.
2: Cost basis rather than okay. market value.
0: Okay which is just like sort of another thing to track right it's yeah you know you can't just it's not an easy, easy visual thing to take in
2: uh yeah you can't just check your account balance and be like oh it ticked over to six digits yeah. now i gotta start reporting this it's i might <laughs> it's, well be into six digits but as long as my cost basis isn't there yet then i'm okay it's and the same never kind of sell something and realize the thing <laughs> and reset the cost basis
0: the same kind of fun thing with uh HST being like $30,000 on a rotating 12 month basis instead of on an annual basis, like because yeah, everybody, yeah. when you tell people like at $30,000, that's what you're talking about. They're like, okay, I think I'm still good, but the month can start at any time. And they're like, oh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, I mean, it's, it's just harder <laughs> to add up and, and kind of like conceptualize in a, in an easy way. Um, you can't just check your tax return for that year and be like, Oh, it's more than 30,000. So therefore,
1: and again, somebody somewhere sitting at a desk gets a little notification that, Ooh, that person needed to pay quarterly now, or that person is on the hook for HST. We should probably send them a letter that's telling them that they they owed us from three months ago. And now they're in a penalty situation. Well, if they got the notification because somewhere automatically that happens, surely to goodness the person who owes the money would appreciate a similar notification prior to it being overdue.
0: Maybe a letter that says you may have to pay HST, please. The technology (laughs) is there. (laughs) Somebody to see, please, you know, check with your tax professional to see if that's the case.
1: Like what system works better by notifying the bureaucrats before you notify the people who owe the money, I this one apparently I don't. Oh, I. I mm, the onus is on the mm-mm. taxpayer, Sandy. The onus is on the taxpayer. Onus is on the taxpayer. Oh, onus. It's a terrible <laughs> word.
0: It's a very interesting word. It's uh, not one we use very often. Do you have no, any, for uh, good reason? Do you have any good uh, things that surprised you, Sandy?
1: Oh, I mean, honestly the fact that Seth had to pay, had to file taxes in the U S that surprised me. Yeah. Um, because it was surprising because it's not true here. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Um, and not only that, the thing that bothers me actually the most about filing the U S taxes it's not a big deal he's a stay-at-home dad he actually earns zero it's not that hard it's the f-bar reporting yeah. so every account that he has a name on it's not and it's not just the balance at the end of the year or at a certain time it's what was the highest balance through the whole calendar year that just it just i have it i've got it in front of me i can scroll through it it's fine just for some reason it really burns me up <laughs> do Yes, it's still at fifteen. Harry Walker. I hate typing out the address. I just don't like it. I hate everything about the F bar form. So they we have. have they probably
2: accounts. have it anyway.
1: Right. What would be the purpose of today's surveillance nanny state if it wasn't <laughs> to have their fingers and like a little eyeball camera, like at a casino, on everybody's actual finances, so that they can catch you if you do it wrong? But then, well, this,
0: like this is the thing. This is how it feels so often: is that taxes feel like a test. You know, it's not me telling you what I did so I can pay you taxes. It's, it's, it's me going, right, right. That's, that's it. That's what we're, we're cool. Right. Um, and just hoping that you get it right, even though it's your life and shouldn't, you know about it? Although that's, that's, that's not necessarily true because there's lots of things that, you can miss in your own kind of financial life.
1: Well, I mean, even a really basic one that a lot of, a lot of people miss through kind of no fault of their own. If you're an employee and you go on maternity leave and you have um, and lots of people get a, a top up from their employer, nobody really, there's nothing to trigger you into thinking, well, all my life, somebody else has taken the taxes away. And at the end of the year, it's roughly equal. There's no there's no reason to think. Gee, I wonder if both of them are taking the right amount. <laughs> Maybe I'll owe money at the end of this year. That's just, and plus you have a newborn baby with you, or an adopted baby, or whatever it is. Like for the first time, you're going through this huge thing, and now suddenly you also have to go. Like, well, let me just calculate my minimum uh, benefit rate here, and I'll just I'll check these two pay stubs and make sure they're taking the right amount. Come on, that's that's ludicrous.
0: Well, isn't isn't that And I'd be actually really interested because I know that you work with lots of people kind of in this transition zone and I don't really, but like that's one of the big rubs when you enter into retirement, right? Like all of a sudden, if you're a normal employed person and you're taking from RSB and you're taking from taxable sources, all of a sudden you're responsible for doing that taxes and you see it, it comes into your hands and you're like, you owe, you know, thousands of dollars every year in taxes. And that friction point, which has always existed, but not for you. Yeah. It's a, it's that pre point. And this is why I would think that you are so many people complaining about, Oh, RSPs, they're just going to tax you. You're going to pay so much in taxes. And it's like, you pay the amount that you paid in taxes. Like, it's obviously more complicated. There's thresholds and all that, but like all of a sudden you're responsible for it, which is a big thing. It's a big change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause if you take the, if you just have your financial institution set your, RIF withdrawal. So once you convert your RRSP into a RIF, if you just have your financial institution give you the minimum amount that you're required to take every year, they don't withhold any extra taxes. Yeah. Like I don't know if you anybody that's had just a straight RRSP withdrawal. There's you know at five thousand they withhold ten percent, and then it goes up quite rapidly from there. So that you immediately when the money hits your account, already a lot of it is gone. In the same way that it is with your pay stub.
0: Yeah, that's true. But with
1: RIF, it's different. With old age security and CPP, you can elect to have money withheld, but it's not withheld automatically. So the only time it's withheld automatically is if you have a defined benefit pension plan. For the most part,
0: exactly. And so you have this first year.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you go. You go some. So most people don't retire December thirty first, and you know, like, so you have a half a year where you've got some employment income. So that 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 tax year is weird but you maybe you haven't hit the threshold for having to pay quarterly installments yet in that particular tax year and why would you because your employer took a lot of your deductions for you the following year you've got your first full year and then that's when it's like oh surprise now next year you have quarterly so you've got like three or four years of adjustments before you really know what's happening with your taxes it takes hmm. people for a real spin
0: so that's where taxes get really interesting like when, they're, start, when they're in somebody else's life, not in your own life. Oh, I would, I see what I would hate all of that. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, not personally, if you're going through that, that's really annoying. But from an outside perspective, like that's where it's like, yeah. Oh,
1: stuff and... you know what I find very interesting about us is that when it's my own, it's very interesting, and when it's others, it's not that it's that, but it feels less compelling when it's somebody else's. I don't know. It's still compelling. It's very, very interesting, but not quite as shiny and. Amazing as what
0: it's my whole <laughs> I find other people's taxes so much more interesting than my own I oh. if I never had to deal with my taxes. I'd, I'd be a happy happy person, but I am I'm very happy to learn about you know Other people's taxes and tax implications and tax arbitrage and all that stuff um, I think tax planning is really really interesting, but um, Not my
1: own tax planning No Well, you can't, no, you can't do your own planning. Well, that's not true. I'm sure that's not true for a lot of things, but it does feel a lot harder to step outside your own situation and look in and say, okay, well, objectively, here's what's happening. You just have this visceral, like, oh my goodness, I'm inside my own life and it's terrible.
0: (laughs) I have too many, like, I can't get the clarity. I can't get the simplicity of being like, no, this is the numbers that we're working with. I'm like, no, but what if this, And which is probably how lots of people feel when they're working in their own numbers. But this is the advantage to having somebody from the outside just tell you which numbers to look at and, and to avoid some of the nuance. But yeah, taxes.
1: Taxes, man. Taxes, Sorry, man. I said man again. I know,
0: right? It's like evening Sandy classic.
1: <laughs> Morning oh, Sandy geez.
0: would never call me man.
1: Not ever,
0: not even ever. one time. <laughs> not yeah. even one time. It's, one of the other things that's really interesting about taxes to me is um, whenever I'm doing workshops, people like to talk about taxes in the abstract. Like that's always like, especially when, because it's often with lots of people that are self-employed, people love to talk about like Venusia, about what's deductible and what's not. And to share stories and like and to like really get confident, being like, no, no, you can definitely do this, but you can't do this. It's like the whole workshop can fall into a rabbit hole of tax deductions. It's it's funny to me that like it's one of them. I don't know, in the kind of realm of financial conversation, uh, in a in a community where money is not talked about very often, weirdly, taxes can be a thing that's talked about. A lot more readily, like it's a bit of a safer space for
2: some reason. I, I'm not sure why. But, but it's also sort of amazing that um in those sorts of conversations, I don't know if it's happened so much for you, but there are so many misconceptions about oh, taxes, like, so especially so many. when you're talking about deductions. People are like, "Oh, well, that's a write-off. It's it's like free <laughs> yeah. then." Oh yeah. Unicorn money. Yeah. <laughs> well that, that's not how write-offs work and, and so that's a that's a super common misconception that if you can write something off for your business yeah you know, side business like you go out for dinner or something and it's like ah we talked about work i can write this off um but first off meals and entertainment you can only write off half of it And then secondly, writing it off means that it takes away a part of the income that you then have to claim. Like it it subtracts from that income. It doesn't mean that it becomes free. It's more like a discount at whatever your tax rate is. So if you're in like a 30% tax bracket, it means that you got like 30% off your meal. So you don't want to go and like spend money on things you don't need just because you can write them off. So if you're not going to go out for dinner anyway, you probably don't want to go and do that. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't need an la- upgrade to your laptop, like don't upgrade it just cause you can then write it off. Like,
0: yeah. All of these things. No, that magic write off wand is such a funny thing. And really something I did believe for the like, before I got into finance because I, that's how people talk about it. That exact thing is like, Oh no, we talked about work. We can write it off. And you're like, Oh, cool. Tell me more. Let's write it off then. I'll write it off right now.
2: What are yeah. we doing? And, <laughs> and refunds are similar. Like uh, yeah. you know, you can tell lots of people, you know, here's the math between an RSP and a TFSA. For you, a TFSA is probably the better way to go. You're like, but if I invest in the RSP, I get a tax refund and then I can go buy a bike or a car or whatever. You're like, but you could just buy a bike or a car and then invest the rest in your pfsa and it works out the same like no oh, but i get a refund yeah refunds are fun those, yeah refunds are fun yeah the, big big misunderstandings are refunds.
1: this yeah. this is the first year that i'm gonna get a refund in a long long time i'm really really excited because it was hard to save for taxes that was very difficult. I knew I had to do it. I did it, but it was a constant, just there was nothing harder in the financial discipline of being self-employed, keeping really good records, keeping separate accounts. Oh, that's part of keeping good records. But all of that stuff was a walk in the park, but in, like taking money off when an invoice got paid and sticking it into an income tax account was like cutting my own arm off. That was horrible. And and I only just as you were talking about refunds realized like, oh, I didn't have to do that this whole year. And I get money back. <laughs> <I'm> so excited. <laughs> sorry. Okay. I'm, okay no.
0: Therefore, <laughs> refunds are
1: exciting. Man.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like. Sorry, John. Refunds rule. Apparently. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they, they, they rule quite a lot. I like it. to
0: think I, I get my own refund because I because of my fear of taxes I I'm a chronic oversaver for taxes and so I expect there to be money left over and honestly like I use it to like scare myself into oversaving and so that I I use that for my TFSA kind of contribution and that's how I like lump save because it's usually an amount left over I use it to it's like where my wedding contribution came from last year mm-hmm. um, a big chunk of it came from over tax saving that um, makes
1: super good sense.
0: Well, it's just, if you're scared of it already, because it,
1: it, I mean, yeah, I I wouldn't, I don't want to overstate in my own excitement about the first refund in a thousand years. I don't want to overstate that, you know, the, the opposite of your point, John, like just aiming for a refund or like, Oh, I'll just save a hundred thousand dollars this year. And then when I owe 18,000, I'll have a refund for myself. Like obviously, (laughs) nobody's nobody's advising that you do that, but, um, But yeah, you do hear a lot about refunds a lot. Mm -hmm. Or actually, do you know what's something that bothers me a lot, which is weird to be bothered by? It's not so much people getting excited, kind of lay people getting excited about refunds. Because why wouldn't you? If you don't really understand kind of what's happening and the government's going to give you money and it happens every April. It's very
2: effective at getting people to actually file their taxes. Right? 100%. Yeah.
1: The thing actually that bothers me is the is the concept of the refund as something that virtuous people use to do virtuous things with instead of it being part of your net income for the year and you should be able to use it as you would the rest of your net income which is however makes sense to you. Like well, if you get a refund and you don't save it you're a terrible excuse for a human being. I've just never really understood that it always sort of bothered me.
0: I think like virtuosity aside Virtuosity is a different word.
1: It is. It's a a very interesting movie as well. Continue.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's something to think about for later. Um, It's, I think that the, it is an opportunity. Like extra money is always an opportunity.
1: Sure. 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 You know,
0: like, and I, I think that's, that's the way it's, it's, it's kind of phrased, but I know exactly that's the tone that comes along with it so often. And the, like, if you don't, you're an idiot thing, which is, it's just, that's, that's not necessary, but you know, a lump sum is always a great opportunity to do something that you want to do that you haven't done, you know, or like to get ahead with something doesn't mean that it has to be saving. It can also be spending money on something that, that, you know, is in the wings and and is something you really want. But anyways, like a bike. Now I just said, spend your refund on a bike. And (laughs) I feel great about that.
2: Of course, the flip side of that is is the point um, that if you're sitting there, you know, in, in the RSP deadline season, early January or whatever, <laughs> even earlier in the year, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna save for retirement, I'm gonna take this pile of money that I've got, I'm gonna save it for retirement, and you're choosing between your TFSA or RSP to do that, and you're like, I'm gonna do it in the RSP, because then I'll get a refund. Well, then if you then spend the refund instead of also saving that when you're putting the same amount of money in at the beginning, you're ending you're effectively saving less because you're you're spending somebody. Yeah. Um and, and that's a big problem where you might say, okay, a couple months ago I said I would take this, I'd invest in the RSP, get a refund, and then invest that too. And then the refund comes and you have other plans. And so it can just be a little bit dangerous that way that you know if you are you know you're you're totally free to save it. I don't want to be too finger waggy. But at the same time, you have to remember that if you're planned, if you're like this side, TFSA, this side, RSP, okay, I decided the RSP way, and part of that decision is that I was going to put more into the RSP in nominal dollars, which was the amount that I had now, plus the refund, and then you forget about the refund part. You're shortchanging yourself on your long term savings.
0: It really is an amazing mental opportunity, though, to get. To feel like you're doing both at the same time, like you're cheating the system, like it's a too good to be true situation. You're like, I'm saving for retirement and getting what I want all in one. How amazing is this? And yet again, it is too good to be true.
1: <laughs> it's just double spending. Look, it's. I mean, we all are prone to that. It's a. It's a little bit of money or a lot of money, maybe, and you look at it and go, Oh, I'm gonna save that, and then at the same time, you go, Oh, I'm also gonna. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna do it at the same time. Yeah it's a problem and it's not just with rsb refunds it's with many things
0: yeah it's with that $20 of cash that's where it always happens for me like having $20 of cash in my pocket and then I spend it on my credit card three times I'm like <laughs> oh no I get pizza because I have that $20 oh I can have a new book because I have that $20 you're like but you're not spending the $20 you're spending <laughs> different $20
1: many ideas of the $20 oh. and what timeline are we in actually <laughs> yeah.
0: the Chris is a dummy timeline <laughs>
1: That timeline doesn't exist.
0: Uh, disagree.
1: <laughs> False.
0: False. Let's put it to the listeners. I call bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, a
2: very minor surprise for me was in the construction of the T2125 tax form, which is what people who have uh, self employment income have to report on. Oh, yeah. And there are a number of categories there for your different expenses. So you put like your income and your various expenses. And in there is option to use uh, some of your, if you work from home, to use some of the expenses of your home as legitimate business expenses. And you prorate everything like, yeah. okay, I have this much of my room is dedicated to my desk where I spend 50% of my time here Working and fifty percent of the time, screwing around, playing video games, or blogging, or that doesn't actually earn income or whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm going to write off this square footage of my apartment or my house at a rate of fifty percent. So it's effectively like this much of my yeah <laughs> square footage. Uh, so that works out to you know four percent of my rent or whatever I'm going to write off on my taxes um and then you go into the form, and there's a line there that says rent, and you're like great that's where that goes and you're wrong
1: you were wrong same thing with vehicles isn't it there's a weird double thing where it's like your use of your vehicle but then there's another like uh, anyways i don't remember because i haven't done a, bis- a statement of business activities in a while <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah like further down there's there's some pre pre-selected categories for if you're using business use of home expenses, use of home like expenses heating. Yeah. yeah. And stuff. But rent isn't there. And <laughs> if you have to put in like other rent. I'm like, it's my biggest expense. <laughs> Why isn't this on the floor?
1: Mine was always computer supplies. Computer and online stuff. Like website hosting. All of the many different automations and online services that I owned for my like just Always stuck in other, and it was always oh, it's yeah, yeah. And I used to look at it and go, "Is this auditable? Is this the thing that make? I mean, it's fine. Come, have it on it. I will enjoy every moment of it. But, but do I have the time? No. Anyways, yeah. yeah, it was. It's weird. What ends up going in other, and what is standardized in the line items, like telephone line now? Yeah,
0: yeah. Really, I don't know. Computer supplies. I yeah, like, like the idea little, that, like, website like, houses. a
1: little side
2: business. If I hired a lawyer, they would get all the money and I'd work for nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Professional, Professional services. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Professional <laughs> services. It's all
1: right. It's a write off. <laughs> it's okay. Ring, ding, ding, <laughs> That's
0: the write off one. Good
1: thing. Best one. It
0: can be a thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There. Tax we solved all the tax issues. I think John still has a list. He's looking at it right now. I'm
2: I'm looking at my list. I've got pretty much everything crossed off. Um I don't know if we want to like do a quick you know message of some sort to end it off, like hey, do your taxes. <laughs> if you don't owe money, you'll you will probably get money back. Like they, they do try to set the system up so that if you have employment income yeah. and you're getting taxes taken off your paycheck. More than you really need to so that you will get a refund to encourage you to go on file uh, And in a fairly simple tax situation, it's pretty easy these days, especially with autofill as an option You can just get an online software and, and go do it And there's a couple of video tutorials that are out there now that show just how easy it is um, You know, you it gets guys, a little more complicated with other kinds of income like self-employment income and the like, but
0: Do you guys like when you talk to people do you talk to a lot of people who haven't filed in a in a number of years? Is that, is that a story you hear a lot?
1: I don't tend to hear that very often. I, I, I think it's because we have kind of a self-selecting audience that ends up coming this spring.
2: Yeah, yeah. M- more so when I was in school, not not so much now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in school it was like, I didn't have any income, so why would I file? i mean, like, because you yeah. got tuition receipt and you file that, I mean, you start building up your credits. So. Yeah,
0: it's something I hear a lot like Actually, for, yeah. On
2: on the point of tuition credits, another thing I hear a lot is people are like, "When should I use my tuition credit?" I'm like, "You don't have a choice. <laughs> the tuition credit just gets automatically applied when it can." It's just know? gonna happen, yeah. Or you don't need to worry about it. One less thing to choose. Yeah.
1: So you hear that quite an awful lot, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah. People like, I haven't filed my taxes in four years, or we're just trying to get control the last three years of taxes and and you know, um, which is a lot like to, like multiple years, it's, it's a big, it's a big job and it can really start to pile up and, and, um, and become a really daunting thing. Um, and especially like I've heard it a fair amount from young parents who are missing out on benefits because they haven't filed and, Mm -hmm. and, and often benefits that make a huge difference to them. You know, it's people that are not like making no money, but making, not a ton of money and that's one of the reasons why they think it's not that important or that they haven't prioritized it and and just kind of not realizing like you were saying john it's just like it's it's just it's it's the gateway into a lot of that world it's a gateway into a lot of benefits and credits and 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 an ability to to really get, to get some real cool stuff um that can make it and have really a history fun. of
2: returns if you need to like get a mortgage later yeah
0: yeah Well, and, 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 you know, it creates um, you need to do it in order to kind of create that trail for CPP. You need to do it to like create RSP room. You need to do it to access child tax benefits. You need to like, there are all those things that um, I think that people see the stick side and the carrot side of, of Mm. taxes, I think a fair amount, um, which is, uh, it's, it's something to remember, especially if you kind of need something to encourage you to, to get it done,
1: you know? Yeah. But it's there, I mean, how many millions of unclaimed benefits are there out there? Income tested benefits that the only way you can get them is if you file your taxes loads. Yeah, actually. Well, I mean, in a situation like that now, probably not for people who are self-employed, generally the volunteer tax clinics don't say yes to that. But if you are an employee, or you don't have any like if you're on on ODSP or any of those things, for whatever reason. I, I mean, for most benefits, you would have had to be filing your taxes to get them. But if you are in a situation where you like, I've got years to do, or I don't really know who to go to, or I don't have that much money anyway, um, there's a, a whole bunch of volunteer tax clinics that open up in the first few um, months of the year, and yeah. sometimes all through the year, depending on your municipality. And there, um, there's people there that can help get you straightened out.
0: Well, and, and there do exist, like even for self-employed people, fairly affordable accountants, mm-hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> I was really happy to find a couple of accountants that were great when I was going through my kind of tax stress that, you know, I don't think about my accountants in terms of, oh, they didn't get me a hundred, they didn't get their fee back to me and taxes, like the peace of mind that I both get and got from just having a tax. <laughs> I think of them as like my tax buddy like my tax Mm -hmm. ally. Like, it's just not me alone. It's just, I get to have somebody to ask tax questions to, or if something were to happen, I know that it's like, let's do it together. I have somebody to call. If I get an audit letter, I have somebody to call and be like, okay. But that, I don't know. That means something. I'm not
1: laughing at you. I'm not laughing at you at
0: all. No, no. It still means something to me. Um, Because it, it can seem like this even though i know i would say a lot more about taxes than the average person i still feel the br- like the weight of the things that i don't know and having that kind of ally is worth is worth money to me um to just go to bat and to to um, to help me navigate that stuff and then flag things for me to take a look at my numbers and basically do exactly what we wish they could do the bureaucrats could do be like hey You're over $30,000. Or, hey, did you know that you should maybe be paying quarterly now? Or just like, hey, you've got three different businesses now, so we're going to file them separately, like this, you know? Like things that it it just, it's nice. It's nice to have a, you got a friend in me.
2: You got a friend in in me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I say there's just enough singing.
1: (laughs) Is there ever enough?
0: In Not in because money.
1: No, that, <laughs> that is true.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I'm Chris Entz, and I'm an advice only financial planner at ragstoreasonable.com.
1: And I'm Sandy Martin. I'm an advice only financial planner at springplans.ca.
2: I'm John Robertson. I'm the author of The Value of Simple, a practical guide to taking the complexity out of investing. And you can find my blog at holypotato.net.
0: If you liked what you heard, please go to iTunes and leave us a fantastic review. It helps us, helps more people find the podcast. And if you really like what you heard, check us out at Patreon, Patreon slash because Money, and uh, donate a small amount per podcast. It helps us keep the show running. Have a great week.
1: We did it!